Matt, welcome to Behind the Geeks. I am joined tonight only by Richard Tubb and Scott Riley. Uh, I should kick it off by saying the legendary Richard Tubb and legendary Scott Riley, like I always do. <laughs> we are sans Pete Matherson tonight. He has got a prior appointment, so it's just the three of us. We will miss you, Pete, but he will be back same time, same place next week. Good evening or good morning to you two gentlemen. Hope you're both doing well. Yeah. We picked a topic that we didn't even talk about this beforehand, so we're not sure where it's going to go, how deep we're going to go in it, whether it's going to go sideways into another topic or not. But this whole, the industry is obviously going through some crazy change at the moment. There's been the news out in the marketplace of Kaseya um, buying Datto, which is a massive, massive, massive purchase in our world. It's like, I was trying to tell my wife what it was like, and I said, it's like Mercedes buying BMW out there, essentially, or or Ford buying Holden or in Australia or whatever it happens to be. It's right. like two big, 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 big players, one buying the other. And it's a huge, huge, huge change and a huge, huge, huge bit of news in our industry. And and so we thought we'd have a bit of a conversation because there is so many heated, heated, I'm going to call them arguments, but the arguments is probably not, well, actually it probably is the right word at the moment, but there's so many heated opinions out there from everybody on different sides of the fence. And let's not beat around the bush. Like Kaseya has had a bad rap sometimes over the years for ways they've approached certain things and has got a bit of a bit of a history of doing things in ways that doesn't align with a lot of, of smaller MSPs out there. And so that's kind of overclouded this thing because a lot of them are worried that they're going to be doing the same thing here to Datto that they've, they've done a couple of times in the past of things. So there's a lot of a lot of craziness floating around in the air around it. I also see a lot of good on things. I'm like I'm kind of one of these guys that probably has too many rosy glasses on, rosy colored glasses on, but I also see good in it in that if there's venture capital firms out there and private equity firms willing to spend like six and seven billion dollars on our industry it means the industry is hot. It means the industry is still going places. They've done their research. No one spends six or seven billion dollars without throwing a team of researchers at future trends in there to try and figure out whether they're putting money in the right spot. So there's good stuff out of this as well. But I thought we'd open it up to have a conversation around this whole notion of vendors buying other vendors and this whole cycle of things happening and and what it means for people. And there's there's been a ton of comments out there and commentary from other um, shows in the MSP space and podcasts and whatever. I thought we'll just have our open buddy mic kind of session on it. We'll talk about it. I'm going to hand it over to you, though, Richard, to, to kick it off because you, you've worked with a lot of these. I'm pretty sure you've done some work with Datto. I know you do a lot of work with Kasai. You yep. do a lot of work with a bunch of vendors out there. So you, you're looking at it from a different set of eyes, but you've also got a bunch of MSPs that you deal with all the time, and you've probably seen both sides of the conversation everywhere. What's, what are you hearing out there at the moment that's, that's the important bits of this whole craziness? Yeah. So I, I would say the first thing is that, uh, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of negativity around the yeah. deal that went round. I mean, that's obvious. And like you, Nigel, you know, I wouldn't say it's roast into glasses because you and I, or, or, you know, especially in my position, I've got the privilege of being a former MSP who still works with MSPs, but also does a lot of advisory work with uh, vendors. So I'm right in the middle there. So I see things from sort of both sides of the fence. And, you know, there's this continuous conflict, isn't there, between some MSPs out there and some vendors out there, because let's not give this broad brushstrokes. And it's a bit more of a confrontational one where they're saying, oh, well, uh, you know, it's to do with contract lengths and this, that and the other. And, you know, at the risk of alienating our audience, which I try to do every week. <laughs> Very well, mind you. <laughs> but there are so many good vendors out there. There are so many good MSPs who partner with vendors. And when a story like this comes out, it's usually the vocal minority, the negative vocal minority, who are first and making the most noise about it. So, I will say up front that, yeah, there has been a ton of negativity around this story, and some of it is justified, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But um, I've spoken to a lot of MSPs who have gone, 
yeah, we'll work it out. You know, they are data partners. They are people who work with Kaseya and they enjoy working with Kaseya. So, you know, not everybody out there thinks that Kaseya yeah. is the devil. But the other thing is, you know, in the industry as a whole, I've been banging the drum about this week after week, month after month, year after year. We have alternatives in this industry. You know, so this deal coming through, I think broadly is good for the managed service provider industry because, as Nigel said, you've got people out there spending what was it, six points, three oh, billion? Was it six point? More than yeah. I have in my bank account. Crazy money, only a little, a bit, little more. bit more than Nigel Moore's got in his bank account, which shows you Just. the amount of money it is. <laughs> the point is, <laughs> it's going to bring attention to the managed service provider space, and many other people are going to look and say, "This is a serious industry." spending serious money you know so i think broadly it's good for the industry but the title of today's episode of course we've got should big vendors keep buying small vendors it's the nature of what happens in our industry it's the nature of what happens in any industry isn't it scott you know small companies come along big companies buy them up and new small companies come along exactly that second bit there's the important point new small companies come along and so it's um Sorry, Scott, I know you were going to talk then, but I just wanted to finish off Richard's thing with a, 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 a not a parable, analogy. Um, the way I like to think of this is that that song out of Lion King, one of my favourite musicals out there, The Circle of Life. And the whole thing is this circle of life is that vendors start small. ConnectWise and Kaseya and Data and all these companies started small, one person, two people, three people, and they grew and they become the big ones and you become the predators in the in the circle of life or whatever, you, whatever it happens to be. And eventually they get so darn big that, one day, they're likely going to die. Who knows whether that will be in the next five, 10 years or whatever happens, or they're going to become stagnant or they're going to become the Kodak and they get taken over or whatever happens. But as these vendors grow up and mature and get bigger, traditionally what happens is they they lose the smaller end of the marketplace or the nimble end of the marketplace because they don't, they at scale, they just can't have that connection with the smaller MSPs out there. And so what that's when... The, the new, as you just said, Richard, then the new vendors come in and this new green grass and this new blood and these new fresh fresh new tools and fresh new opportunities pop in the space for all the, the smaller end of the marketplace or the nimble end of the marketplace. And they they are awesome because they're allowed to they're able to learn all the lessons from all the all the previous vendors that that failed at this particular feature or did this particular and whatever it happens to be and start from fresh. And so I I think it's whilst there's there's always negatives to this, as you said, there's there's lots of bad blood behind the scenes and whatever. But the reality is it's so good because as this happens, this gives so like there's going to be a, no doubt a mass exodus of people from or from MSPs from either Dado or wherever they're going to go that, that for whatever reason they philosophically disagree with with Kaseya's vision in there. And so they will then vote with their, their wallet and they will go and choose these smaller vendors that are starting up that might not have the exact features now. But what happens is these, these all these new vendors now will then have nice big chunks of new coin coming into their budgets and they will be able to go and throw that at R&D and go and throw it at new features and go and throw it at things and really build out their platforms and, and start to take steps up as well. And eventually, obviously, they will become the big vendors that will probably buy everyone else. But that's these things happen over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, not over 5, 10, 15, 20 weeks or months. They happen over long, long, long time periods. And so I see it as now this, this is going to spawn so much more R&D and features and so many more amazing things in those kind of mid-tier things out there now that I know, Richard, you deal with a couple of the vendors like um, Super Ops and Atira and some of those guys that are, and girls that are kind of popping up as that fresh. I've already, I've already seen this come through before, obviously. I'm the old man of the industry. I've been around a long time doing this. But, you know, back in the day, um, we used to use an RMM product. I think, Scott, you did as well, uh, called Hound Dog. 
So did I. Um, Houndog, uh, yep. for, for long-time people in the MSP industry, Houndog then became GFI Max. Yes, I used it then GFI. Then it became, I believe, SolarWinds. Um, yep. Anyway, it gets a bit of a mess after that. Enable. But the point is, they, at the time, were the people who were nipping at the heels of Kaseya. Mm. And then, before they knew it, they became, you know, the next big player in the market, and they're out there still. The other one that I'll bring to mind, you know, um, I've got close relationship with was uh, Christian and Ian back at Centra Stage. You know, I, I was oh, there yeah, when right. they first yeah. pitched this product to a local user group, uh, and it wasn't quite there. But guess what? They soon learned from the feedback. They were very nimble. They yeah. built the product up, and then it got acquired by Autotask, which got acquired by Datto, which has been acquired by Kaseya. Now, fast forward to 2022, you know, as Nigel has mentioned, you've got Atera um, out of uh, Israel, a combined RMMPSA product. They've just had tens of millions of investments. So they are no longer a small fish. They are actively out there and doing things. You've got super ops who are coming to, um, they've got an event in London in a few weeks' time as well. And they are aggressively going after uh, Kaseya business, whether you like that tactic or not, they're going out there. Oh, you've I got see that. Like, you've got Halo PSA, and I know Tim and the team at Halo have recently just announced they are getting almost too many leads coming through. So they've not raised the their minimum seat to 10 seats uh, right. onboarding, and they're doing that because they're getting so many inquiries. So for anybody worried that like, oh, consolidation in the market is going to kill off the market, it ain't because it's just a little bit like a forest fire that clear space for new green routes to come up. So this has been happening for the last 20 years and it's yep. going to happen for the next 20 years. Yeah. This was a big move. What, what, what say you, Mr. Riley, you're on the, the front lines of this. You probably use some of these tools in your own, your own business. How are you handling this conversation? You gonna... So I think, well, I mean, we, we use Halo, funnily enough. It's, right. it's a great okay. product. Uh, yeah. Actually, we got in early before the 10 seat minimum. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know, this, this is one of those things where I think it's, I think it's, good for all the benefits that you guys have just laid out which is you know one massive organization buying the other has positives because what will spin out of that is the people and the organizations that had pain will go and find new ways to deal with that and that might be a new vendor coming up it might be you know those smaller agile vendors adding more features into their stack and making them more valuable for the you know for the smaller players um what i do know is what happens when PE money gets involved in any organization and you go on a buy and build spree. And even at the small scale, right, where you're a 200-person business buying a handful of other businesses and eventually you end up being 500 people and 17 acquisitions later, you lose so many things. You lose agility. You lose customer care. You, you lose the focus on products and services because the PE money came in and said, hey, go and scale faster, go and be more, go and get more customers, go and, and then what you do is when you buy all those companies is then optimize. In other words, get rid of people, get rid of property, get <laughs> rid of processes that don't work and cut the costs so that we keep the customer base, we keep the products and services, but we cut out as many costs as possible. The, the challenge that, that any organization has when that happens is people you know, get left by the wayside and that, and kind of cultures and values get left by the wayside. Yeah. And if you don't integrate those companies properly, and, and I'm only talking from experience of, of 17 acquisitions of small companies making up one big company, there was so much culture and care and people and products lost in that whole mess because the people integration did not work well. 
right? And, and I can only start to fathom what that must be like at a multi-billion dollar huge. value when the organizations are so big that you then try and peel these things together. And let's not forget, like, Datto has only just been through, well, we're Datto, we're Autotask, we're Autotask yeah. now, we're Kaseya. They've only just gone through that loop. So mm. it makes me wonder what's happening at Datto that they just keep selling and selling again. Yeah. Sounds like the PE firms there just it's, want to get their return back. It's just which is PE what PE moves. Do. It's yeah, money in, and yeah. I want my money out in a finite period of time with value added to it, please. Yep. And I don't know genuinely what this means. I, I don't have experience of, of Kaseya or Datto in, in any real right. respect. But as I say, what I know is when you smash companies together, you can either do it really well and take care and attention and bring the teams and take the best of what those organizations had to offer. And as I, as I read the the Reddits and the posts and the LinkedIn, and you know you have to take some of it with a pinch of salt. There'll be people who say, hey, I like oranges. And then someone else pops up and goes, what? So you hate bananas? No, no, I just... <laughs> I just said I like – anyway, there's a lot of that that happens because people are quite tribal about their their tools right. and their vendors. Yeah. But if you can kind of read in between that, there's some great stuff that Datto has to offer. There's some great stuff that Kaseya has to offer. If the team can genuinely pull off the trick of saying, what are we best at across the piece between our combined capabilities and put together an integration plan – then maybe we can go out and actually have a really fantastic product with some great service for our partners that is actually good for their end-user businesses. But if they do it badly, if they just go, hey, you know, this is how we do things and we've bought you, so you're going to fall in line with us. Ugh. And that's what everyone's fear seems to be when I read yep. these comments is please don't turn Datto into Kaseya. And what they yep. mean by that is let's you know not have those predatory contract terms let's not have that terrible language let's not have outages and breaches and not be open and transparent about them don't do that but that's okay like if if the Kaseya team come along saying hey let's let's bring in Datto because or Autotask because they do things well and what we want to do is learn how to do things well in our business because combined we have this fantastic market full of people that we can support there's a lot to learn if they're in with that open mindset this could be great you know, for those things. But I don't know. Having having been at the coalface of mergers and acquisitions and PE-backed ventures, it's all just about cash. Yeah, it uh, is. Unfortunately, the cash is the underlying underlying um, thread that's going to sit behind all of these deals in here. I think um, one of the things that, that I hope the whole, the, like the management teams in the C-suite and whatever can take some, some ideas from is that Everyone was worried when the data auto task thing happened, right? We were having similar amounts, probably not as heavy, but similar amounts no. of, of um, conversations and, and commentary out in the, the space when that happened. And so far, sure, there's been a couple of quirks and wobbles here and there through the process, but so far, um, touch wood, this desk is made out of wood. So far, on the whole, that's been a fairly good process between the two. And I have, I've heard, a, as I said, a couple of quirks and wobbles out of it, but nothing major, nothing crazy out there. And hopefully... The people that are on these teams can can start to take a little bit of of ideas and thoughts and whatever that come have come out of that merger acquisition whatever you want to call it and and layer it into this one as well and I think I think that like from what I've seen of the guys and girls at Kaseya like they are listening more than they've ever listened out there I know ten years ago when I was dealing with Kaseya I was owned a different ownership back then it was hard to get them to listen really hard to get them to listen I think nowadays I am seeing a lot more listening out there whether that's turning into action that's that's going to take time to see whether it whether it um, plays out or not but there is a lot of listening and a lot of realization that that 
that they have made a couple of mistakes in the past and that they are going to they they are hopefully going to learn from them they're 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 certainly using the right verbiage in them time's going to be the the real indicator of all that though um and sure there's in any deal this size just by its very nature there is going to be collateral damage and unfortunately I, i wish it wasn't but the collateral damage is going to err on the side of the clients unfortunately and um and that sucks and it's one of those things that as a nimble msp you need to be keeping aware of that and whatnot. But one of the things I mentioned to now Tribe the other day was I was seeing people immediately saying, I've already, like I've started looking and I'm going to swap next week to another vendor. Like I'm canning data or whatever it is, I'm going to swap to another vendor wow. next week. And I'm like, whoa, slow down there, Tiger. I'm like, um, <laughs> what you're doing there, you could actually be, because you're not giving yourself the appropriate amount of time to do due diligence on where you're moving to, you could be moving into something even worse for yourself in there. And exactly. the reality is, yeah. let's face it, if, Let's say worst case scenario, and I, I hope this doesn't happen, but let's say worst case scenario, they absolutely ruin Datto and they ruin themselves and whatever. They, they go down this crazy route. Worst case scenario, that ain't going to happen in, in six, 12, nine weeks slash months, right? It's going to happen over a slow kind of period. And then it's probably going to fall off a cliff if it happens. Again, worst case scenarioing here. And so that means that anybody that is in that world at the moment, don't change your tools just yet. Go and do some proper good timed due diligence in there and do tool changes properly. Go out there and and make sure you've got the whole breadth of the market in there and you're asking the right questions and you're sitting with your team and you're doing all the product demos and do all of that sort of stuff and do a planned approach to it. You've got time. Nothing's going to break overnight. Nothing's going to change dramatically overnight. You're not going to have rug pulls overnight. Let's hope you don't. And I'm pretty sure you won't. You're not going to have that stuff happen overnight. So please, if you are rushing out there to quickly change your tools, just slow down, put your foot on the brakes a little bit and just take it a little bit slower. Sure, you still might end up changing tools, but what I worry is that someone's going to go, oh, crap, got to change this week. Bang, bang, bang. I'm just going to pick whatever vendor I see here that looks a little bit better because their pricing looks good. And then you go and pick that vendor and then six months later, you realize you're in a worse position than you currently were in there because you didn't do all the due diligence around feature sets or support or whatever it happens to be. So well, let's, Slow the let's, heck down, please. <laughs> let's talk about the – because you've got the conflicts, haven't you, as an MSP here. And I'm going to call out especially smaller MSPs and, and nimble MSPs, and I've come from this background myself. The grass always looks greener on the other it side. Does. And I'm speaking yeah. specifically to anybody in the audience who's watching today who has changed PSA tool more than three times over the past three years. Oh, and your PSA, tool, your PSA tool, your professional services automation tool, should be one of the biggest investments you ever make in your MSP business. It should be your business operating system. And as a result, you should be investing heavily in the relationship and the technology there. So I'll say that up front. So I speak to PSA vendors. I've got good relationships with many of them, as I've already mentioned about. And one of their biggest frustrations, of course, is that when an MSP comes on board with them, they offer them onboarding assistance. Sometimes it's bundled. Sometimes it's chargeable. And the MSPs don't take advantage of that. And then six months later, 12 months later, they say, your tool's not doing what I want it to do. I'm going to go and use this other tool because it's going to be better. So I'm going to go on record now and I'm going to say to the entire MSP industry, every MSP watching this, I get asked this question all the time. What's the best PSA tool? It doesn't matter. They are all good. You cannot go wrong with whichever PSA tool that you buy. But the big question is, making sure that you're culturally a good fit for that vendor. So if you're working with a vendor and they don't share the same worldview and values of you, that's when you should be looking for someone else. But I'm intrigued, guys, do you sort of – and the other part I would say there, just before I move on from this soapbox, 
you should be reevaluating your tools often, but you should be um, sort of quick to evaluate the tools, but slow to move. Slow to change, yeah. So mm-hmm. to Nigel's point, you know, if if this was been this situation has been a catalyst for you going, we ain't been happy with our PSA tool for some time. We're going to move. That doesn't mean tomorrow. Right. It means we are going to set a project up. We are going to evaluate the market. We're going to speak to vendors because trust me, they want to speak to you right now. And we're going to make a, a informed decision about where we move our business operating system across to. But I might be talking complete rubbish here because like you know, Jill, I have a fairly rose-tinted view towards these things and look for the positives. But yeah, I'm yeah. intrigued. What do you guys think? Um, we've oh, got totally. a couple of comments in here. Organ, Organson, Jorgensen, hopefully I pronounced that right, says um, my, his biggest gripe is when they take great products and either strip them for parts or they charge an exorbitant amount for the service. Um, glue and um, Dado Commerce is a, a prime example. And, and yeah, that's that's one of those things that it's when you're sitting in the shoes of the CEO that comes up with these ideas or whatever, you're probably going, ah, oh, this would be awesome to do this and do that and let's go and do it and give me the 10 million and I'm going to go and buy that product or whatever it happens to be. But then what inevitably happens a lot of the time is they then try and figure realize, or they get in there and they realize the integration is so much harder than what they thought. And so they either right. strip it or they change the whole product pricing strategy around to something completely different. And that, that does suck for us all, all the time. Um, but as, as Nick mentions down here, he says, we're completely reliant in our MSP industry on vendors who can sell or fail dismally at any point. And because we built our businesses underpinned in a market which is continually moving and always moving. And so this stuff is always going to happen. You're never, ever, ever going to, like you can't run a tech company without there always being consolidation behind the scenes and vendor moves behind the scenes and PE firms. So you've got to be, you got to, you've got to start to roll with the punches rather than get smacked in the face by them and fall to the ground. You've got to start just knowing that. And that's, that took me some time to get comfortable with because um, I was like, oh, every time I kind of feel like I'm getting good at things, a rug pull happens or a vendor changes this or whatever. And I go, oh, pew, pew, and I've ended up falling over. But now, nowadays, even in our current business, I've just learned to roll with those punches. Technology, the, the PE world, buying, mergers and acquisitions changes things fast. And it always will. It's not going to slow down in there. In, in fact, if anything, it's probably going to speed up in our industry with news like Agreed. that. You're going to see some more PE money coming in and more venture capital money coming in and and again, more vendors popping up and more aggregation happening and consolidation. So it's going to be there. It's um, it's more the more we can be nimble and flow with the um, flow with the punches as they come and hit us when if they're something that doesn't align with us, the better you're going to get through them, and the less you're going to the less you're going to affect your business. And so one of the things that again saddens me is when I see so many MSPs get um get caught up so deeply in this news that it takes their energy away from their business for so darn long. And I look at it and go, oh, guys, like, I get it. There's, like, you just got punched in the face from a, a left bloody hook that you weren't expecting that changes things around. But recover quicker. Like, don't don't let that left hook take you out for three months of pain and changing around and whinging and spending your energy. Let it take you out for a day or two, if that. Go and, and, and make sure that you're then moving your energy back to your own business and building your own business and looking after your own clients and doing all of that stuff and don't let these things take you out for too long. I'm seeing that happen a lot out there that people are yeah. kind of getting stuck in this negative space and it's and it's really pulling their time away from from their own business, which sucks. It really does suck. So yeah. um, anyway, that was my thought on that. And there was another comment in here. Oh, James asked, um, is it okay to make a suggestion? No is the answer to that one. <laughs> Ignoring James, you suggest a way. <laughs> um, can you put in your post what the subject you are covering will be each week? And then we have an archive of topics and subjects. I, I thought we did um, 
So we, we make a post about this show in a few different places. Perhaps yeah. in one of them we're missing putting the topic in there. So if we are, although we didn't decide on the topic for tonight until last night, so perhaps Fatima might have, have put it somewhere um, or one of, the, one of the people on our team might have put it somewhere in a spot without a topic for this week because we didn't decide on it until just yesterday. Yeah, um, James, we we're not do. unprofessional. We are dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> we're rolling with the punches. <laughs> um, if if you find us uh, where it is, commented on game, Facebook. So regularly, we, just we might just contact there. Um, ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, Scott? I said he's commented on Facebook, so we might just want to check that the, the title link goes Facebook, out properly yeah. there. Let us I know, can see it on LinkedIn and YouTube. It's right. it's up to date, I think. If it's endemic, let us know. But it could have just been that we didn't decide on this particular topic until last night, and Fatima might have already gone and put some some notices out about the show happening this week earlier than what we decided. But we do try and put the topic at least, and we just try and come up with a question or an idea that we're going to talk about that week, and then we just get in here and we babble on. There's um, a bit of um, a bit of feedback about contract terms. So, yes. um, si- and I think this is a really um, a really good uh, question. So Simon says, uh, "Sorry, it was Aaron, wasn't it?" He says, "The thing that annoys me is the locking contracts being back again. Yeah. The cloud is meant to be versatile, supposedly, but now we're back to twelve thirty six and minimum month contracts." Simon says, "Agreed." Uh, he says, uh, "We don't want to see changes in vendor contracts twelve thirty six months. You'll start to look around." I, I think. I don't know how you guys feel about this. There's two sides to this coin here. Um, personally, I think that cloud data should always be uh, interchangeable. So you should be able to grab the data from any service and move it across to any other service. That, would that was the dream when we first started with this, all these environment, wasn't it? Uh, it's not quite worked out that way, um, but that's something to bear in mind. Um, but when it comes to 12, 36-month contracts, you know, there's pros and cons to it. You know, I've just talked about if it's your PSA tool, uh, you should be making a long-term investment there because this isn't going to be something that you're going to rip out in three months' time and say, oh, we're going to move from you know Atera to SuperOps or Datto to w- whatever it might be. So I think these should be long-term investments you make, but you should always be keeping an eye on, is this working for us? And if it's not working for you, then make plans and say, when our contract comes up, we are not going to you know pull the rug from under them. We are going to make plans to uh, to research the market and potentially move to a new supplier. The other thing I would say is there are loads of experts out there who can help with the migration process as well. So please don't think you know you've got to do it on your own if you do decide to move tools. But it is an interesting one, isn't it, about the the long term contracts? Oh, contracts are are a, a, probably an entire episode and a half in itself, maybe a couple of episodes, maybe a season that <laughs> we can go into contracts. And um, yeah. and I agree, like as an end user, as a nimble MSP, trying to get locked into a 36-month contract of something um, is often not a good thing. And for me, contract terms, like they exist in the MSP space as well, and lots of MSPs write term contracts to their clients. Um, to me, this is my personal philosophy, right? Like you don't have to agree with it or not, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the way I see it is that if – the contract terms benefit not only the vendor but also the client, then it's a good right. thing and I'm all, all for it. And so a perfect example of that in the MSP space is in the mid-tier client size. When you're looking at clients that are like 100, 200, 300, 500 seats, um, often they have stipulations from their board or or just company policy that requires their vendors, to them to have a two-year or a three-year contract with their vendors. And so in that particular scenario, it's benefiting the client as well because the client's actually got a policy where they want it and they don't want to go and, and rip out a, an MSP every three months because they don't like them or whatever. They, they want to decide and stick in for the long term as well. But when it 
comes just from a private equity decision saying, hey, we're going to throw these contract policies in, uh, sorry, contract terms in just for um, just to get a better multiple on our business or even when an MSP does that, I'm not a fan of them then. Like you've, you've got to put something on the table for the, the client, whether the client's an MSP client or whether the client's an MSP themselves. I just feel like you've got to put something on the table for the client in return. And sometimes they do, which is all like you get price lock-ins, you get whatever it happens to be, like discount terms or whatever it happens to be. But when there's none of that locked in, I'm, I'm just not a fan of them. I don't know if you guys are the same. I, I just don't don't believe in three year contracts. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't sign a three year contract for anything. Yeah. Um, and I think you know you might say, well, that's an agile MSP decision that you wouldn't sign a three year contract because like everything changes so fast in our industry that three yeah. years is a lifetime. If I'm honest, yeah. um, if I think about what I was doing three years ago compared to what I'm doing today, it's entirely different. And the market's different, and the products are different, and the customer yeah. needs are different. I don't, I don't want to be trapped in three years of anything, even if they go, oh, but it's great price breaks. I don't care. It's useless to me. But then when I think about where I was in the previous business where we were big and you know there was PE and mergers and acquisitions happening all the time, and we were buying up other MSPs, if they were in long-term three-year contracts for their PSA tool, that just makes it painful for us as an acquirer yeah, sure. because yeah, yeah. it's an additional cost that we're stuck with because yeah, we're not going to carry on using that tool. We're going to roll it into our PSA system. So it doesn't really work for agile MSPs. It doesn't work for larger MSPs who are on an exit path. I just I can't stand the idea of these three-year lock-in contracts. It's you know, it takes a valuation tool, really. Yeah, it, that's all it is. It's lock the customers in for three years, and then if you're on an exit path as an MSP, you can show lifetime value and you can show predictability for the next three yeah. years and you can get a better multiple for your sale. Yep. That's all it screams to me when a vendor's trying to lock me in for longer than 12 months. 12 months is long enough. You know, it's a good enough commitment from us. It's a good commitment for you. I don't mind if the price point changes after 12 months because I'll, I'll have been evaluating over the 12 months whether I like this service, whether it works for us, and whether we're going to renew at the end. If we're going to renew and the price goes up slightly, okay. But this, you know, we, we had this conversation around, you know, new commerce experience from Microsoft. That's already been painful enough, you know, to get to minimum 12-month terms. Mm, I yeah, think 12 yeah. months is a good comfort spot. I'm, yeah. I'm not signing anything for three years. I've seen MSP sign six years, believe it or not, with their clients. Oh, <laughs> when I first heard that, I went, "Oh my goodness, how are you signing a six-year client?" Um, but again, it was again in that like three, four, five hundred seat space where where it's it's not unheard of in that space to to regularly sign long-term term agreements, and typically for reasons other than private equity valuation or PE, like just the multiple um, change in there. But uh, but yeah, in the nimble space, it's just a hard thing to swallow right and i get it i'm a that's i think as of tomorrow we're going to have um 36 month terms on the tech tribe um probably we're going to launch that tomorrow so if you're not in the tech tribe um yet and you join us tomorrow you will you've got to stop saying this stuff people take you seriously when you say this stuff I, I told them the other day on April Fool's an MSP, that, people freak out. Stop I it. Did. I told them the other day, or the tribe the other day, that um, we, we've just given away a, an entire marketing automation, sales automation suite to the tribe called Growably, and we're filling it up with campaigns and, and stuff like that. It's an entire big, big tool that's cost us tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to set up. And um, and I've been telling everybody for ages that we're giving it away for free to the whole tribe. And then um, April 1, I sneakily put a post in there saying sorry we tried to make the numbers work but we can't so it's now 100 bucks a month and i, I unfortunately got a few people <laughs> they didn't realize it was a joke um, i felt bad for about 30 seconds and then i didn't <laughs> but 
Um, oh, so you've started it now. Everybody's talking about growably in the yep. chat. Yeah. Jorgensen well, says, um, when can we sneak into it? If you didn't get in that first, we added another 150 people yesterday within hopefully, and I'm not, like I'm saying this live on air, so someone's going to quote me on this, but hopefully two or three weeks we'll have everybody in um, and we'll open it up to everybody. We're not, we're not too far away. Um, so just bear with us. It's the, we're just going through the final stages now, getting it ready to the point of getting everybody in there. So not too far off. But anyway, this isn't the Grolby show. This is the the behind People the gig show. In the, in, the, in the chat about contracts and stuff. So, you know, many MSPs, don't they? They do 30-day contracts or yep. no contracts at all yep. uh, because or they live and die by the service. So, they, you know, we used to use this as a selling point. We used to go into clients. And back in the Birmingham area where I ran my MSP, most of the bigger competitors say, we want to sign you up for three years. Now, that works for some businesses. You know, they just want to set it and forget it and just put it over there. But for nimble businesses, they're like, three years? No way. We used to go in and say, look, you don't have to sign a long-term contract with us. We will live and die by the service. If you fall out with us at any point, not only will we make it easy for you to go to a competitor, we will actively point you in the direction of, of good competitors you can go right. and work with as well. Yeah. And for MSPs watching this, you know, in the space, if you are being asked to do contract lengths that you're uncomfortable with, and not everybody is, um, there are so many alternatives out there, and we've already mentioned half a dozen just in the PSA space, but whether you're looking at data backup, whether you're looking at email archive, whatever it is, you know, there's alternatives out there. Even in the cloud space that we talked about, you know, uh, Scott runs a business that's all built around Microsoft products. Don't I do can it. Tell you, Don't I can do tell it. you there are NSPs out there that build their uh, companies around completely alternative products. So, you know, there's there's even alternatives in that space as well. I think we've killed off Scott Riley Scott. here. He's just done what? <laughs> he's there. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I dare to mention there's an alternative to Microsoft. Don't Scott's do it. Don't, don't say the G <laughs> he word. Did. You went there. The um, point is there's alternatives in every market, everywhere. Oh, of course, you yeah. 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 And um, although, as, as we all know, the alternatives – over time in a marketplace can often, like especially when you've got someone like Microsoft or like a game like the Microsoft and Google game going on, it does become hard at a certain point for any other alternatives to maintain feature parity out there uh, just because they don't end up having the budgets to go and do it and they don't have the user base um, to go and do but it. As so, we talked about the other week, yeah. uh, Nigel, you know, full disclosure, you know, I'm an advisor to the business, but um, Linode got bought out by, and they're an alternative cloud company, they got bought by Akamai for $900 million. Yeah. That's not small change, oh, and that's yeah. not like a niche player. They're a you know a big player in this market yeah. as well. So you know, check yeah. out Linode if you want a view on what the alternative cloud market looks like. Yep. Um, Jason sends something in here which you just touched on, uh, Richard. Is something which we have, which we have, which I would like to see other vendors do is include what exit assistance we would provide if someone wanted to depart. And I think yeah. um, that's an awesome thing for any MSP to include in their sales process as well as exactly Great. as you said it, Richard, is like, here's our here's our exit procedures. So if you do ever want to shift off, you can. We've actually done that with Growably. We've, we've even got an FAQ page in there now that, that says, um, hey, I don't like, you guys are, are bastards or I don't like dealing with you anymore. Can I move out? We, we say, yeah, you can. You've got this option to move out or you can export your data and do this. And like to me, it's it's being upfront and and um and like that's what builds you your goodwill is being upfront. There's, there's and multiple reasons though, isn't it? It's not just if you fall out with somebody. It could be oh, some of our competitors got a feature yeah, that correct. is absolutely critical to us, but you don't have. Exactly. Sorry, guys, we're going to need to move. How can you make it easy for us? So I love Jason's point around. This. Yeah, yeah, 
100 percent um Mamoon says, Grobly, what about the marketing campaigns, please, Nigel? I'm not sure what you mean there, Mamoon, but we've got tons of marketing campaigns inside the tribe that you should absolutely be using if you haven't yet. Go and have a look in the marketing vault in there. And we've launched a couple and there's there's probably another eight to ten that we'll be launching by the end of this year in there. Um, so there's there's four or five in there. Plus, we give you your marketing pack every single month. It's got a bunch of stuff in there, all for the raging massive price of um, $400 per, I mean, $49 per month. Um so I, I love Nick's I, question. Can yeah, we answer this well, Scott? This is a brilliant one. Yeah. Oh yeah. How did you work yeah, out? How do you, you how do you work out who you want to refer your sacked clients to? <laughs> and then Jurgensen says, depends if they're nice or not. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Who who do you like the least? <laughs> so here's how I used to do it in my MSP, Nick, is um is we decided at one stage that we, we would be Microsoft-focused only. We'd be Office 365 and Microsoft-focused, so we wouldn't take on Google clients. However, I had a friend who had a Google MSP in Sydney, an awesome guy called Peter. And um, and so whenever we had a Google deal come through, I would simply hand them across to him and introduce them to him and, and deal with it, and then he would do the same in return right. for Microsoft clients. However, for other clients, um, the ones that we loved – I was in a local SM, what's called an SMBIT Pro community out here, which is like the SBS user groups or the ASCII groups in the US or network group or, the, or even or the, the Tech Tribe group local group around the, the, group, the place. Yep. Um, and so I had a bunch of contacts in there. And when we outgrew clients, which typically happens to every MSP as you get bigger and bigger, the smaller clients aren't a great fit for you. We had a couple of um, the MSPs in there that we would gracefully and kindly pass them to and do a, a really graceful um, changeover to them in. Um, for the clients that we didn't, like the clients and we were, I hate the term sacking, but for the clients that we we no longer supported anymore and we, we asked them to, or we told them that you've got to move to someone else, we literally just put them in touch with the organization, with SMB IT Pro Professionals. Or we said, here's right. like this organization here represents 150 MSPs in Sydney, go and talk to them and maybe they'll be able to introduce you to someone that would be able to suit your your benefits there. And that then kept the onus off my, me introducing them to, to anybody out there and getting involved in the mix. Um, I know there's some MSPs out there um, that go and introduce them to the, the bad clients to the competitors that they don't want to see do good business. And so they go but and let's, introduce them. Let's to- speak to this point, uh, Nige, because I went through a situation and I was advising an MSP recently and they were like, we have got this PITA client at the moment and we just want to get rid of them. But we want to do it gracefully because we don't like to burn uh, bridges. And yeah. I said to them, and I'll say, you know, it was Nick who asked the question, what do you do with clients that you don't particularly like? You don't want to refer them to somebody you know. Nick, I wouldn't say that's entirely true because I have been in a situation where a client has absolutely not been a good fit for us. We've butted heads. We've not gotten along. And we've gone to them and said, look, we don't feel a good fit. Let's introduce you to this other MSP. And this other MSP has come back to us three months later and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. They are a wonderful client for us. And what we learned is just because somebody's not a good fit for you doesn't mean they're going to behave in the same way with somebody else. So to Nigel's point there, you know, please don't be worried about referring bad clients off to someone else um, because they may be a good fit for somebody else or that client may actually readjust their attitude before they go and work with somebody else as well so that's just my view on it yeah awesome it's all about honesty isn't it it's about you know you just being honest about saying hey we're we're just clearly not a good fit with each other um i love the idea of referring them to an organization rather than an msp because if you if you do the thing of trying to just ditch them onto another msp hey go work with these guys (laughs) 
the industry is <laughs> tiny. We, we all know each oh, other. Gotcha. We all bump into each other. And, and everyone's got long memories. <laughs> we, yeah. we all remember. And so I just think you're better off having that honest conversation, even if you do intro with another MSP, to, to speak to them first and say, hey, look, we're just having a challenge. This is the type of communication that we have. It's just not working. So if that's the kind of client that you guys think you could work with, you know, maybe it's worth having a call. But it, rather than setting them up to fail, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, they're great. These are the oh, yeah, yeah. you know, we love them. We just, don't, just don't I don't know, do they're just, they're just, yeah, it's just they're lovely. Oh, um, just being honest. I think the whole Correct. time is, is the honest. best way. Intro them to a community group like the, we did a couple of times, and I think that's your, your best chance. You're putting them in touch with some an organization that's hopefully got a couple of hundred clients in there. Um, in in the UK, you've got um, CompTIA, a network group over there that, that would probably yeah, do something yeah. like that. In the US, you've got ASCII groups. In Australia, you've got SMB IT Pro Professionals. Um, and all of those groups, if they got an inbound lead from somewhere, would would more than, I'm sure they'd more than happily try and find their, their best member in that organization to go and, and filter that lead to and see how it goes. So um, that's what I did, or that's what I did. That's a, a, a route to take. Um, well, not, not to forget we've got tech tribe as well, you know, so we do. If, if we really need to have yeah. that, <laughs> it's yeah. it's not you and me conversation, as Nick says, then, uh, you know, we can always put a post together in the tribe, say, hey, can, you know, yeah. this, this yeah. is the clients, this is the challenge we're having, but they might be a great fit for someone great else for someone to else, yeah. have that conversation. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. It takes yeah. a high road. We tend to take it personally, don't we? And when we have a bad client, we do, yeah. like, you know, we take it personally. It, you know, it, it, it's not often the case. It's just their worldview and your worldview may differ, but they're going to match with someone else, which brings us all the way back, doesn't it, to the vendor conversation. There's going to be some vendors out there that you absolutely get on with. There's going to be other vendors that you're like, uh, no. And there's going to be other vendors still that you started to get on with and then grew apart from sure, because yeah. of mergers, acquisitions, yeah. and things like that. The point is there's alternatives out there. There's always alternative options that you can go and have a conversation with. The easiest way is vote with your wallet, but not too quickly. Yeah. I think that's the whole thing yeah. of this is vote with your wallet, not too quickly. To redirect the energy that you've that if anyone's out there bashing vendors in hopefully no one on this show is but for all those people that are out there bashing vendors on free groups and whatever it happens to be redirect that energy into your own business pull that energy into doing something good in your own business and and you'll you'll be surprised at what you get out of it um simon says i feel that the only bad clients are the ones that don't or can't pay invoices personalities don't always align um i i Ooh. agree to a degree in that yeah. I had some clients where we had a complete value misalignment, but they paid their invoices on time every time and we asked them to move on. One in particular was doing a couple of thousand dollars a month in um, in labor revenue for us plus project work on top. So they weren't insignificant and um, and they paid their bills every time. We never had a problem with them paying their bills, but we had a complete value misalignment in that um, we saw some things that didn't line up with my values in the way like like honesty and trust and whatever and so we had to ask them to move along because of that they they were they just the guys i believe nearly in jail now that might give you a taste of what what happened um actually we had two sorry that went down that route that we asked them to move along um or we had to move them along one wasn't doing a couple of thousand a month they were probably doing 500 or a thousand a month but both of them um that we just saw things that didn't align with our values. And so we asked them to move along because of that, not because of money. And um, yeah. and one is in jail. I know one is definitely in jail now. And the other one um, for some some financial fraud. And the other one um, got run over the ringers out here by the financial in industry ombudsman in Australia um, for doing some other financial fraud out here. So it's I've a lot never, of the time it is payments, but it's not always payments. That even clients who are paid, I've never fired 
never fired a client or indeed a member of staff yet where members of my team have not turned around to me and sort of tapped me on the shoulder and went, what took you so long? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that happened in Simon, both these cases. <laughs> usually, Simon, to your point, even when clients are good payers, don't underestimate, you know, the the emotional, the psychic oh, energy that they can zap yeah. away from you. What could your team be doing more effectively if they weren't having to answer the phone or answering emails for people that basically when their email Dreaming. number comes up on the DDI, they don't go, oh, God. You know, so be aware of that. That can sap energy that can be used. We, that, that one that we got rid of that was the 2000 dollars a month client, um, this was probably eight years ago now, um, so that's probably twenty thousand dollars with inflation adjusted fees now. Um, but that that particular client, the minute we did that, and I sat down and had the conversation with the team, you could see this like collective weight lift off all their shoulders because they all were. It wasn't just that we were seeing them do a few things that didn't align with my values or our, our company values or whatever. It was that they were also the type of client that was always cranky and they were always like just no one liked dealing with them and no amount of money, even if I doubled the amount of money that we charged them, which they wouldn't have paid because um, yeah. we tried to increase agreement with them, um, would have offset the the pain of having to deal with them. And so you're right. You, sometimes it's just the energy that you, you're you going to get sucked from dealing with that client that's just not worth the money in there. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to vendors. We're off on talking about tangents here. I, I want to bring up a, an example that I think is a good uh, acquisition. So the title of this show is Should Big Vendors Keep Buying uh, Small yep. Vendors? Now, the other week, uh, Scott and I, we were at the, uh, the CompTIA event, weren't we, in uh, Manchester? Yeah. And uh, had a good time. It was great to see people out there. But uh, I met um, Jeff Bogart, who is the owner or uh, was or still is, I guess, the owner of uh, Goulash. Now, if you're not aware of Goulash, they're um, a, a, a product uh, built out of Belgium. So Jeff runs an MSP and he built this product because he couldn't get the billing of SaaS products right. right. We lose so much money. Anyway, the other week, Zementum acquired Goulash and that turned it into Goulash Connect. And I chatted to Jeff and he was like the owner of the business, super, super positive about it because he was saying like, we can only take the product so far with the resources that we got. So we needed to be acquired to take the product to the next level. So I think there's an example there of, you know, small vendors, you know, and, and granted, you know, Zementum are not the, the hugest player in the market, but they're making waves and they're making small acquisitions of uh, technologies and people who are going to make the entire company better as a whole. So we often think, don't we, big vendors just buying up small vendors for the sake of PE funding and the sake of profit and this, that and the other. Quite often, the collective sum of the parts can be greater uh, sorry, the collection could be greater than the sum of the parts. So I think there's a great example there with Goulash being acquired by Zementum. I think that product is going to go rocket ship as, as a result of that acquisition. So lots of good stuff happening out there. Here's hoping. Um, right. Well, as we always do, if we don't get it, if we don't have anything else to dive into, we could wrap up early. Have you guys or you gents got any um, any other thoughts to add to the mix in here in the whole vendors buying other vendors, pros, cons? things to look out for, commentary to add. I just see, I just saw Nick mention something. And in most, most of us were to being acquired as an exit plan, so it's tough to be too hard on companies. Oh, most of us aspire to being acquired as an exit plan, so it's tough to be too hard on companies like Datto selling 100%. Like I even look at it at the tech tribe. It's eventually one day the tech tribe is going to be sold. Um and, or, no. or it's going to go out of business. I, I, I've got zero plans at the moment for that to happen whatsoever um, for full disclosure but one day it's going to happen and and i look at that and i go oh like it's going to have to be by one of the bigger 
like it's like to to be able to pay for it, it's going to be a bigger vendor in some way, shape, or form. And so they're they're going to have their pros and cons of this. And I'm just like when I sold my MSP, I went through the same thing of uh, like no one's going to run it like we ran it and and whatever. And we just had to do our best through that process to to line it up with the people that we thought were the best going to be the best people to to own and run that thing in the future. And um and it's hard. Like as as you say, Nick, um like all of us need to sell our business in one way, shape, or form, or we're going to be carted out of it in a box. That's the only other real alternative. All the business is going to shut down, but the majority of us want to sell our business in there. And so we, we should be looking at our own business as well in that same, that same with those same eyes of what do I, like, it's not going to be the way it was after I got out of it. And that's, that's going to have to be okay because it's the nature of the beast. Like you're going to have a different vision to the people that buy your business and hopefully you can align as close as you possibly can, but you will never align a hundred percent. And I learned that through, through the years. And um, I think we all going to learn it. So I think, I think we don't, we, we do have to not put rose colored glasses on, but just try and see that there's always, always people behind these things trying to do good the majority of the time in there or trying to, the, the majority of the people that we're seeing in these deals are still trying to do good and trying to come to the marketplace with cap in hand, trying to figure out where they went wrong in the past and learn from it. Sure, PE money is going to push things um, in directions that we might not want, but with everybody going out um, and like one of the things I, I think we probably can finish on this is that I do want to still encourage is that we might be saying, oh, don't get all negative and don't get all whatever about it. Um, and that's not what I want to see what I do want to see is professional discourse happen out there. So far more people, if you do have a gripe about a particular way someone's doing something, instead of going to Reddit and whinging about it and saying, blah, 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 this is crap. This is the way these guys do things. Take it up properly in some way, shape or form in a professional way, then take. And if, if you're not getting the voice, your voice heard via the people that it needs to be heard by, go and find a group of people that you can corral beside you that are, that all agree with that same gripe or that same thing and take it up right. professionally with them. And you'll be surprised. Most vendors, when you take things to them professionally rather than bashing them, they really do listen. Even the big guys, you'd be surprised. And I've seen that happen a number of times in the industry where um, a group of MSPs have banded together with a, a request that they thought was falling on deaf ears when it was coming from one or two or three of them. And they banded together and they said, hey, we're the, the working action group for whatever this happens to be. And we're coming to you in good faith. We're not coming into you to bash. We're not coming to you with this. We just want you to hear our story and our side of things here because we honestly firmly believe that you should be taking a different stance here or, or having making a different decision here. And you'd honestly, like, you take that approach in things and you're going to have a 20 times better chance of getting um, impact than going out and bashing on a Reddit group or wherever it happens to be in there. So if you are out there and you do feel there's things that aren't happening the right way, by all means, please take it to them and, and and bring it up in places like the tech tribe or wherever you happen to be professionally, bring people along for the ride and, and hopefully you can and will make some change in there. Most um, vendors have a, um, advisory they call it? an advisory committee uh, of MSPs. If your vendor doesn't have an advisory committee, well, they really should. Use Nigel's advice there, pull together people and become your own de facto advisory committee to them. And if they're smart, yeah, they will invite right. you they to will. go into their inner circle and advise them directly uh, anyway. So, yeah, exactly. there we go. It just takes doing it with common decency, not with a mudslinging match is all it takes. And I know that's hard. Like I, I found that hard, I'm sure, especially in my early years when I, I just got angry and I just wanted to – my ego got in the way and all of that crap and you just wanted to mudsling and whinge and complain and battle and it always fell on deaf ears. And um, and over the years I've hopefully matured up a little bit, maybe. Um, my kids will tell me I probably haven't. But um, but I've matured up a little bit to, to know that – and I, I quite often am giving all of our vendors feedback 
about things that I don't like about them. You like probably a day doesn't or a week doesn't go by when I'm not delivering feedback to some of our vendors around things that I don't like about it, but or about their service. But I am always doing it professionally, and I'm always doing it and um, helping them understand my thought process behind it and why I've got that rationale. And I typically do it via a video as well, so that they can see my intent behind the things rather than just just things. And so the more you can do that, the better. Oh, Pete's in here. Guy is I, love, I love Pete's comment. Please title this episode, Nigel's plans to sell the tech tribe. If anyone would like to buy it, it's going cheap at $25 million. Um, No chance. Um, as I said, someone I, I asked me, I've had a few people ask recently if I'd be interested in selling the tech tribe, and I said, um, if you want to get the tech tribe out of my hands right now, you're going to have to throw me stupid money. Because it's it's I'm not I'm not ready to sell. We've got so much more vision to create, and we're only just getting cooking with gas. And so, um, sure, sometimes stupid money gets thrown at you, but um, it's few and far in between. And so I'm not I'm not in any place where I'm I'm planning to sell at the moment until someone comes along with stupid money, or until I've put a good few more years into it and got it to the point where I I can only take it that far, and I can't take it any further, and someone else will take it the next to the next part of the journey. Um, this is the action group for Nigel Open Up Globally to everyone and we'd like you to listen to our story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Wayne Small is on here. Uh, an hey, old Wayne. friend of mine, Wayne and I used to be business partners many years ago and Wayne has um, founded a very, um, very influential MSP out here in Australia called Correct Solutions, ran it for many years, um, had another business partner coming called Ryan who helped him run it for many, many years. Um, I was working with him for a little bit. And um and they've they've recently had a big sale of their MSP. They grew that MSP to a rather large MSP here in Australia, a rather influential. And and Wayne, I believe today is the big news that he has finally resigned from something like twenty five years of being in that MSP. Wow. Um, so, awesome congrats, being Wayne. here, Mister Mister wow. Small, and congrats on the the big news. I know a lot of that. I don't think there's a single Aussie MSP, and there's a lot of MSPs in the US and UK that that most people know of of Wayne and have heard of Wayne over the years. I was with Wayne in, I think it was in Houston, Texas, 15 years ago, Wayne. Wow, there you go. I probably still got the photograph. So send me something nice in the post, Wayne. Otherwise, the photographs will see the light of day. Oh, were they were they those sort of photographs, were they? <laughs> yeah. And as Wayne says, though, like Wayne, Wayne is also like you, Rich, and he's worked with vendors and in the MSP space. Yeah. He's done a lot of work on both sides of the fence. So he understands that vendors do listen when stuff gets delivered to them in clear and concise ways and with the right intent and, and with all of this stuff. So Wayne's a great um, guy. Congratulations, Wayne. Yeah, he's, you're not going to release those photos, you said. Kaseya <laughs> presents the tech tribe. We're going to end here. <laughs> we'll end on that bombshell. I've just tweeted it out. Let's see what the response is we get to that. So, yeah. When I saw another message up there from Mamoon is asking about some of the nurturing stuff that we've got inside the tech tribe. Mamoon, you're probably better off asking that inside the tribe. Um, if you weren't on this morning's call for Grobly, we talked about a bunch of nurturing stuff on there. Um, there's also still a bunch of nurturing stuff that happens in there each week. We give you, e oh, sorry, each month we give you emails and all sorts of stuff. But ask ask those sort of questions inside the tribe or email support if you think you're missing something or whatever in there. Um, but go and ask those ones in there. This has been um, a fun episode. The live audience have been on fire this week. You've you've been you've been the fourth member of the show this week. <laughs> Sorry, Pete, you're gone. We're replacing you with the audience members <laughs> now. <laughs> we're, we're crowdsourcing the fourth member of the crowdsourcing. show. We are. Right. Um, all right. Well, time to wrap up. We're 30 yeah. seconds away from the hour, and we always aim for around an hour-ish on these things. So um, I'm going to do the wrap-up, unless one of you guys want to. Pete normally does it, but one of you guys want to do a wrap-up? I was trying to remember what he says. Well, oh, here we go. I'm putting it on you, Scott. You've just raised your hand, and we'll see if he can. Oh, man. 
Well, well, thanks for everyone for watching. Why don't you consider subscribing to the channel on YouTube? You can find us down there somewhere. Uh, we're on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, so, you know, get in touch and you can listen to us on Apple or on Twitch. Or is it Stitcher? Stitcher, why Stitcher. not? Yes. Stitcher. Stitcher. I don't Spotify. know what he says. Um, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for joining. Thanks for getting involved in the chat. It's amazing when we hear from you guys and we get to react to whatever you guys are saying. So that's always really fun. Uh, sorry, Pete, that you're not with us this week. Enjoy that holiday. But uh, that's it from us. Uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Same time, same place next week. Uh, yeah, Pete says you've got to remember the like, subscribe, and all the things, wherever that happens oh, to be. Of but the best place to, if you ha you're not subscribed to the channel, is click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell. I think that's that YouTube is the default where we push this out to. It does stream to other platforms, but YouTube's the best place. I to think find you it. did well, Scott. I agree. I, I didn't know we were on Twitcher. Right. That's the, the bird watching Twitcher, platform, isn't it? I think. Twitcher, yeah. Stitcher. We're not, Stitcher. We're not on Twitch, I don't think. We're on Stitcher. Twitch is Stitcher. the live streaming platform. Maybe we are on it. I don't know. No, that's we, the bird watching platform. Oh, is it? Twitcher. No, I don't know. No, I'm making all this up. He's making it up, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm clicking the end screen button before I, I sound silly because I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Thanks, Goodbye. everyone. Have an amazing week. See you Cheers. guys. Same time, same place next week.